tonight on Whiskey Waffle. We have been on holiday. Head distiller, head brewer. Um, yeah. Just head. He's got a really good head. Charm out the wazoo. Three, Three two, two, one. Reveal. That's this episode on Whiskey Waffle, the podcast. I mean, cast. Welcome along, fellow wafflers. Welcome along to episode 52 of the Whiskey Waffle podcast. His name is Ted. His name is Nick. And we managed to get that completely right. Nice work, Teddy boy. I've got a recommendation for all of our listeners out there. This is a whiskey recommendation. Ooh, hit me. Drink whiskey through your mouth, not your eye. <laughs> I witnessed something quite funny just a I minute ago. Funny, funny for one of us. Yeah, it was funny for me. My friend here was in considerable pain <laughs> um, after getting a little too enthusiastic, um, bringing his glass up to his mouth and instead accidentally throwing some whiskey in his eye. <laughs> yes, so my left eye has, um, yeah, got a nice splash of the Hobart whiskey Pedro Jimenez Solera cask. Um, mm. Very nice whiskey, preferable through an oral capacity. Hey, hey, hey! Yeah, 47-ish percent there, I think. Yeah, yeah. You're lucky it wasn't a heartwood. I <laughs> know, <laughs> uh, for a number of reasons. Anyway, so who says that Whiskey Waffle doesn't offer good consumer advice? Here we <laughs> yeah, go. That's uh, it. You've been well, Teddy boy? I have been well. We're both looking lovely and tanned. Mm. Lovely as usual, but yeah, also yeah. we're looking nice and tanned because we have been on holiday. Yeah, down the sunny east coast, which was sunny for about 50% of the time we were there, which is pretty good hit rate. Yeah. It wasn't too bad. No. Yeah, so we've we've been on our annual whiskey tour of the state. This time we uh, eschewed going south and instead went east and then north, as yeah, usual. Yeah, so Yeah, yeah, that's it. So um, we had a great time learning about some new distilleries in Tasmania, chatting with the people making the stuff and, well, tasting a lot of whiskey. Yes, one of us had to drive, but... Um, we did set up camp at various locations. Which yeah, it was helped. it was still yeah much whiskey was still consumed. Indeed, indeed. So that is the subject of our waffle today. We are going to share what we did on our holidays. The waffle. So Ted, did you have a good time on your trip? I did, yeah. and mainly because I was with you. Yeah, yeah, mainly because of the company. Um, not just between the two waffle boys, but also between the wonderful people that we got to go and visit. So, it was on a glorious sunny Monday that we set off on our annual adventure into the Whiskey Wilds. First up, we went to the beautiful town of Bichino, or as or as uh, Tasmanians like to call it, Bichino. <laughs> um, and we managed to take a wrong turn. There was only one turn we needed to take, and we took a wrong one. Yeah. But, but we got there in the end because there are not many streets in Bichino. No, we headed around to the Gulch, as it's known, and right down to the water's edge. Like, literally the water's, water's edge. Literally. So we arrived at Warbs Harbour Distillery. Um, what we think of as a very new distillery because we've only really found out about them this year. Yeah. Um, we only got to try their stuff for the first time at the showcase, just gone. But they've been distilling there for a couple of years now. It's almost three, I think. Yeah, but they're only just starting to put out just an early release. Mm. Um, the one that I've got here is what they're calling their preview series, Bond 3. They've only got a couple of releases going in that one, but watch this space. They are stepping up production. So tell me a bit about what we learned at Warps Harbour, Ted. Well, we learned that it is probably about the most maritime distillery in Tasmania, like Previously, I would have said Flinders Island, although they're moving further up inland, but they were sort of like, depending on the tide, maybe 30 metres from the from the sea. 
Yeah, I think you could jump out the windows here and, and land in the water with a splish. Yeah. yeah. So it, they're in an old uh, oyster farming building. Mm. Um, and they've also bought the building next door, which was an abalone or some other sort of um. Seat. Yeah, and there was a fish and chip shop, I think, as well, that they've also purchased. Yeah, so all these old buildings, mostly connected with fishing, and, you know, they smell that way too when you go yeah. for a walk through them. Um, that just adds the maritime charm. Do you, you know what they look like? What do they look like, Teddy Boy? Isla. Well, they do. This is the thing. There's a lot that reminded me of Scotland. Mm. There was the buildings. Like, it's not quite whitewashed, that limewash sort of thing, but I could just imagine sailing past on the ferry and uh, and spotting a big uh, Warps Harbour writing on the side of the wall there yeah. if, uh, if they wished. But the interesting thing, we were chatting with Rob. Rob is the, the production manager there, head distiller, and he said they want to incorporate all these wonderful elements of Scotland, but they still want it to be a Tasmanian whiskey. Mm. And things like use of port casks, um, starting out with a few small ones before moving to the big ones, sort of kept it kept it Tassie, but with all this sort of coastal isla, or even like a bit of um, old Pultney, a bit of Talisker about it as well. Mm. And I think that is expressed in its spirit, um, where it, some of the barrels hint at sweetness, it actually dries off in a quite salty sort of way. Mm. Those well, salty. Those barrels are getting aged right next to the sea, mm-hmm. east coast. It's it's warmer over that side of the state. Um, tends to be a couple of degrees warmer. Um, they're right next to the sea. This it, it's interesting. The sea actually gives like sort of averages out the temperature a lot. You don't get major fluctuations really. And speaking of the sea, they can actually pump in from the ocean to do a lot of the cooling mm. um, in the process. It comes in at, you know, 8 to 10 degrees and goes out at 12 to 14 degrees, which is literally a drop in the ocean. Yeah. Interesting uh, that Rob has a background in microbiology mm. um, and has, yeah, got a real interest in culturing yeasts and sort of playing around with sort of the really technical, fiddly, fine aspects of um, making the uh, the wash and making the whiskey and stuff. and Yeah, one of the things that I've found really interesting that he told me is that he's able to do slightly wider cuts because he's really finicky about the ferment. Mm. Ferment yeast types, temperatures, again, that microbiology coming into it. So he absolutely loves that stuff. Um, we were able to get really nerdy with him talking about ferment and mm. wash in general. And yeah, he said that he's able to bring in some of that thick, oily stuff from the tails that some people might cut beforehand because of the way that he does the ferment. So really mm. interesting. And basically, that's a watch this space. To yeah. Study. So in terms of watching this space, they're thinking um, mid to late November this year, 2022, I believe, um, to be sort of on deck and um, open for visitors. So currently you can visit there, but it's by appointment only. So if you do want to go, by all means, get in touch with them and tee up a time and they'll be happy to show you around. Um, yeah, but it's book not a tour just, just um, have walk a walk in. Yeah. But yeah, by November, I think they will be open for uh, general walk-in visitors. One of the the biggest building that they've got is where the distillery is. Um, just put a lovely big window in there so you can see the still. Oh, it's, it's stunning. Yeah, just walking really down there cool. and seeing the stills through the window is great. Um, they've got two other buildings. One of them was, yeah, a bit of a bit of a sort of doer-upper at the time that we saw it. Um, yeah, what a good were they place to put- keep some craze though. Yeah, they had some craze in some tanks. I think they were going to use that as a bit of bond space. Yeah. Um, then the other building, the old fish and chip shop, they've done that up pretty much um, fully into like a sort of a relaxing kind of bar space. Ted did a lot of relaxing actually. He found a couch. Got a nice couch it. there. They've also got a nice like uh, stone bench thing. Um, Has a good view. 
It's got across a, the jetty. It's got an amazing view. It's so good. Yeah. So no, definitely watch the space one. In my mind, um, top five most spectacular distilleries in Tasmania. Mm. Um, possibly, you know, at the upper end of that list. Absolutely. It's yeah. I would class it in the same breast bre- breasts. <laughs> I class it in the same breath. <laughs> I class it in the same breath as uh, places like Sheen. Mm-hmm. Or uh, like Ponfield yeah, well, yes. site, as we call it these <laughs> days, or uh, Nant. Nant. Yeah, yeah. Just, um, there's that historic element, Lorenia Estate. It's yeah, mm. but it's not a sandstone. But, yeah, building. but that's it. It's, it's a completely different vibe. Mm. Um, and uh, it's not the last you're going to hear about Warbs Harbour because later on this episode we are having a waffling with our interview that we did with Rob. We'll be featuring mm. later this episode, so he'll tell you a bit more about the harbour. Um, anyway, we needed to. Uh, Grab some food from the Bichino IGA and uh, head up the road to see another very welcoming host. Yep. We went up north a little bit, about 20 minutes further up the road, and ended up at Iron House Point, mm. which is home to White Sands Estate, which is a, uh, a resort, and it's also got a winery. Mm. But more importantly to us... It's got a brewery. And... It's got a gin distillery. And a brandy distillery. And well, Briggsy did mention there might be shh, a rum distillery. Mm. Uh, but it's also got a whiskey distillery. <laughs> yeah. um, I think that's the point that Ted was trying to get me to reach. It does. They are the makers of Tasman Whiskey. Been out for a little while now. We've tried a few of their wares, but we've never officially visited as a team. Yeah. Um, and we hung out with Craig Spilsy Spilsbury that evening. Yeah, Spilsy is a bloody legend. Like one of the nicest guys you'll meet in the scene. And um, he, he absolutely defines the role of brand ambassador because he sells it. Like he just, he just makes you want to drink it because of how much of a good time you have when he's around. Charm out the wazoo. Mm, indeed. Indeed. So we had a bit of a comprehensive tasting with mm. uh, Spilsy. Yeah. We tasted some interesting stuff. We also, we also tried this sort of core range. So we tried their bourbon cast one. We tried some sherry and some port. Sherry which, and um, port. We're going to yeah talk more about in future episodes. We also tried their uh, peated, Port mm, and we, yeah, we do like that one. Yeah, we we also got to uh, dip into some of their older barrels as well. And God, that that port cask. Yeah, um, it was a, basically seven, a five or six year old. No, it was a seven year old. Seven year old. Seven year old. Ted, Ted went around looking for the oldest barrels he could find in yeah. there. And just <laughs> yeah, but we are going to talk more about Iron House with a bit of a focus. We've got a review coming up for those guys. A couple episodes time, and partly because we took an interview with Briggsy the head distiller and um, part of the team there um, at, at White Sands and at Iron House, um, head distiller, head brewer, um, yeah. just head. He's got a really good head. I like it! But we also did a bit of an interview with Spilsy as well, which, yeah, mainly unpublishable. So I'll, I'll, I'll give you guys a bit of a greatest hits and the Patreons can get the rest because yeah. um, um, those that know Spilsy would know just, just what sort of a night it became. Yeah. Want to give those guys a big shout out as well. Uh, big thank you for putting us up for the night and also putting up with us for the yeah. night. Um, but yeah, we we uh, yeah got to stay there overnight and had a uh, great old night of it. Yeah, I mean it's a lovely part of the world. Like just looking out across the east coast, there um, it is a beautiful part of Tasmania. Yeah. All of you guys on the mainland that have not made it down, um, it's worth going to Iron House, even just for the view. Like we seriously, we visited two of the most spectacular. Tasmanian distilleries in, in one day. Mm. It was a good day. Mm. Next day, though. Mm, next day was a good day. A, well. we were slightly hungover. Mm. B, though, we got to catch up with Laurie mm. um, from uh, Transwood yes. Cooperage. Although he's setting up his new business as well. 
Yes, it is called In Casa, which means in Spanish, in-house. Um, and he's, yeah, becoming like a bit of a sort of jobbing cooper. Driving to the distilleries, helping fix barrels, training people about how to use them. Mm. So if you're if you're looking for a genuinely nice bloke who knows his way around a uh, a big butt, <laughs> um, yeah, check out check out uh, Laurie and um, yeah, in Casa. Yep, and then we cruised up through the sort of northeast via Pine Garner Dairy for a spotted cheesy toast. Yep, um, that hit the spot. Until we um, yeah got to our usual stop, but it is an important one because we got to see Matt and Julie Cooper at Fanny's Bay, and not, we saw Irene as well. Yes, not forgetting Irene forget and Billy Irene. too. Yes. Um, no, we've um, been going to see Matt and Julie at Fanny's Bay for the last few years. They've taught us so much about um, distilling, about the industry, and we've had many a great night sitting around their kitchen island drinking quite a lot of drams. Eating lots of cheese and uh, meats. Mm. But anyway, we had a few new distilleries to uh, to visit and check out and promote. So let's get promoting. Who else do we visit um, while we're in the north? The north. Well, we, we, drove, we drove a decent way, actually, from where we were up in Fanny's Bay down to Westbury, where we visited Western Tears Distillery. So the um, owner, of, well, co-owner of Western Tears, and significantly the owner of Stillsmiths, Tim Freeman, met us there um, and showed us about his kit. It was a really interesting visit, actually, because Tim was Tim was very sort of upfront and pretty blunt in the fact that it's like. Well, we've got the distillery here, but I don't really care about that. It's really just a front for Stillsmiths because what we're really about is selling distilleries. Indeed, indeed. So Stillsmiths, um, as you could probably figure from the name, is a still-making company. I'll make that distinction right up the front. He told us a brilliant quote. We don't make stills. We make distilleries. Mm. He makes the whole box and dice. Um, out at his company at Colmark, um, which also manufactures other big vats and Lots yeah, they're they're, steel. A, they're in, an industrial, um, yeah, sort of vessel maker. So the guys at Colmark were like, "Well, this is just basically make, doing what we do normally, except using copper instead of steel." So mm-hmm. they make beautiful stills. Yeah, no, this is it. The stuff they're making is a very, very high quality, and um, yeah, it's just kind of a cool side effect to actually just have to make some whiskey on the side to uh, showcase your equipment. All right. They, they had some pretty, a really cool setup there. Mm, um, absolutely. And one of the things that I loved is they're doing triple distilled whiskey mm. for two reasons. One, um, there's a bit of Irish heritage in Westbury. Two, that means they get to show off three stills instead of two. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so they are making whiskey. They currently release some gins and some uh, white spirits. But the whiskey, they're hoping to have ready for November next year. So another Watch this space distillery. Mm. Then we went probably, what, about 15, 20 minutes down the road mm. um, to Quamby Brook region. Indeed, in the shadows of Quamby Bluff, quite a specky little part of the state. Mm. And um, yeah, onto a road which is famously called Bogan Road. Bogan Road, we discovered, not Bogan's Road as, as we've, we've been, been calling it. Yeah. Um, Bogan Road, we looked out for the Land Rover that was parked next. See, when, when she said... Look out for the Land Rover parked next to the gate. I was thinking like her actual just normal yeah. driving car. No, it is not that. It's actually, in fact, a really old like Land Rover Defender style thing. Um, With Bogan Road painted on the sign. Yeah. We got to meet Karen Spencer from 
Bogan Road Distillery slash the Tasmanian Whiskey Selectors, hmm. um, who we, we met a few times before at different events and said that we have to go and check out her digs. And yeah, they've got a, a, a lovely shed distillery up in the bush with a wonderful view. Yeah, it's it's got this beautiful view of um, Crombie Bluff and mm. it's completely surrounded by bushland. It's, it's a lovely site, actually. And it's got a still in there, which is quite a young still. Yeah, it's it's a bloody whacking great still too. Mm, quite large. Have a good time, good time. So Karen and Shane's background is uh, in whiskey. Is they um, they started off with the independent aging. So they were originally investors in uh, Lark's barrel yeah, investment. Quite a few scheme. different uh, barrel investments. Yeah, and then they were then they were part of um, Starwoods or what, what? What was its original? Um, Victoria Valley or something? Yeah, some some funny name like that. Yeah. And then I uh, got burnt by Nant, like quite a few people. Yeah, so they've they've had their fingers in a few different pies over the years, but yeah, that's how they sort of started. And then they started making relationships with various people around the industry, um, getting access to some interesting things, like something really interesting they've got that probably no one else does is some uh, independent Coraline. Yeah, spirit. Not many people have Coraline in general these days. Where mm. um, they they have quite a lot. They have Kilara. Um, there they have Adams. We've had we've had plenty probably- of Adams, plenty of Launceston, a little bit of Nant as well. That mm. was one of the barrels they did manage to get. Yeah, so they've got a they've got a variety of different Tasmanian barrels there, mm. and um, that's what they release under the name Tasmanian Whiskey Selectors. Yeah, um, but now they've got their own still commissioned. They will be starting in a few years' time, to release their own whiskey as well, which is very That's exciting. It'll sort of um, crossover when they're starting to run out of their Tasmanian Whiskey Selector stock. So mm. they've done pretty well. Um, they've got two brand names. There's no confusing uh, the, the House of Bogan yeah. uh, releases, just to confuse people, no. But, um, yeah, the Tasmanian Whiskey Selectors are already out there on the market and producing some good stuff. I had some Lonnie stuff from them, which was good, and I had a Kalara release they've just, just about to put out, and that was delicious, so... Yeah. Definitely worth checking out. Yeah, so in terms of checking out places, um, Fanny's Bay, by appointment, um, lovely people though, and they'll be happy to have you along and check out uh, the little little uh, still that Matt built in mm. in his shed. It's uh, yeah, pretty cool bit of kit. Western Tears Distillery, they have got a very nice visitor centre. We can highly recommend getting the... Um, scallops and pork belly. Scallops and pork belly. Oh, yeah. That was delicious and some spring rolls. Um, but that, that sort of, yeah, definitely a walk-in sort of business. You can see these stills through the glass wall. They have a really good Tasmanian whiskey bar. They've got a great Tasmanian whiskey not bar. Not many Tasmanian whiskeys that are not represented on that bar. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say it's sort of coming close to something like the Angel Share up in Stanley mm. in terms of yeah, well, representation. Yeah, well, like one of every animal, mm. more so than Angel Share, which is like 10 of every animal. All the Hartwoods, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Bogan Road is, yeah, by appointment at the moment. Although she, there's a sign-up that says, if the gate is open, you're welcome to call in. Um, so that just means that someone's on site doing some work. Yeah, and then we trundled our way home. It was a good trip. I enjoyed myself. Yeah, I learnt a lot, I think, Ted. I learnt a lot. Yeah, we, we got to see some new places, um, places that we, we've been looking forward to visiting for a while but just hadn't made it to. Yeah, East Coast, it's happening up there. Central North as well. Mm. Like there's Getting some, online. Getting some good stuff happening there. If you're interested in buying a distillery, <laughs> please go see Steelsmiths. Um, they are very nice and will take care of you very well. We can recommend checking out all of those places. That's why we go to these places, so that we can uh, tell you all about it, spread the word. Um, and now it's up to you guys. 
You guys now have to tell your friends if you're going down the East Coast, go into Iron House. Make an appointment at Warbs. If you're floating around Westbury Way, well, go and have some pork belly and scallops and um, sample something from the whiskey bar. Yeah, and if you're going down Bogan Road, do a burnout and visit Bogan Road Distillery. Also good news, though, we got an email the other week. Oh, well, I mean, we get a lot of emails, mainly about people how, telling us how to optimize our SEO. But Yes, this one was much more exciting. Oh. It was telling us how to optimize our whiskey drinking. Oh, well, that's the sort of optimization I like. The Whiskey. Indian whiskey, eh, Ted? Indian whiskey. Is this the first time we've reviewed an Indian whiskey it on is. the pod? We've we've drunk plenty of Paul John before. We've we've also had some uh, Rampour and some. We've got some Amrut. Amrut. Um, even a review up on whiskeywaffle.com. But this is none of them. Mm. So this this is a uh, whiskey made by Piccadilly Distilleries in India. There's a there's a date. There's a 1967. Si- it says 1967. Now, yeah, I don't think this particular. Uh, I don't think the distillery was around then, but they've yeah. been a company since then. Yeah. What we are about to drink today, and thank, thanks very much to uh, Piccadilly for sending this to us. We really appreciate it. Is called Indri. Indri. I-N-D-R-I. Yes. So Indri is a small village. It's in the north of India, sort of the foothills of the Himalayas. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's basically sort of almost due north of New Delhi. Yeah. So that that sort of region. So yeah. So what are the what's the climate like up in that region? Well, it's still pretty hot up there. Um, yeah. It is... I, I don't but imagine think it gets pretty cold at the same time. Well, I don't think so. I think where it is, it's very much the lower foothills of the Himalayas. I don't think it's going up that high. I, I um talked to um Cleon about it actually. Um, very like quite a long way from um yeah his region of India that um his family's from, but he said it's still going to be um quite hot up there. It's it's actually a part of the country where a lot of crops are grown. Um, I'm assuming barley is one of those crops. Yeah, Cleon's comments. He said a lot of probably a lot of cask influence and very big flavors. Mm. Well, let's talk about the casks because this injury that we have is called Trini, um, not referring the original Power Rangers character, uh, <laughs> but in fact uh, referring to the fact that this is a three wood yellow ranger. Yellow Ranger, yeah. Yeah, nice. <laughs> That's it. So this is a... Amber th- Ranger. Yeah, <laughs> nice one. Um, so this is a three-wood. So there's three different types of maturation used, I'm assuming, then married together. Um, those casks are first fill bourbon, ex-French wine, and ex-PX sherry. Mm, interesting. So a combination of those three, so we can have a guess at the percentages of each. But looking at the color, probably heavier on the bourbon. It's, it's a little bit light, but it is mm. pleasingly gold. Yeah. Here is an interesting thing about it, though. The master distiller's name is Graham Bowie. Yeah, classic classic Indian name. I know. Just, um, I'm sure this barrel goes through a lot of ch-ch-ch-changes throughout its life. And, uh, yeah, but I think it'll end up being a star, man. Yeah. <laughs> mm. What do you think of the packaging? Um, they've left a lot of space, oddity. Um, <laughs> no, it looks like a Japanese whiskey. Yeah. Uh, it's it's sort of got this. Um, I I can see where you're going with that. It's actually sort of got a. I'd say, I want to say Sanskrit. Um, it's certainly not a Japanese character, but you know, yeah. having this. Um, yeah, really intricately, beautifully calligraphized. Is that a word? Calligraphized um, non-English symbol as your sort of main yeah. lo- logo is very sort of Japanese. Um, very classy, I think. Well, we should probably try it. We should probably try it, shouldn't we? 
All right. Well, that's different to everything I've tried tonight. Wow. That is just... The nose on that is wild. <laughs> um, We've been drinking, yeah... Sort of port matured tassy stuff <laughs> because you know. Well, we actually had some. Um, we actually had some Paul John. Yeah, we did earlier. Um, it was the the port matured one from the whiskey club. I'm f- I'm sure a few of you guys have tried that. This one. This is not that. It's not that. It's I want to say pina colada. Yeah. Well, this is it because I get the coconut. Certainly, I get melons. I get a bit of pineapple and coconut. <laughs> yeah, you do get melons. <laughs> I was waiting for that. I get no really sort of um a honeydew sort of um. Yeah. It. it it is vi- vibrantly tropical. Oh, ag- yeah, really tropical. Aggressively tropical. Mm. Without sort of straying into banana territory. Mm. Once you get past the um, the shock, it's quite a pleasant nose. Mm. It's um, light and bright f- and fun. I feel like I need to be sitting by a poolside with a small umbrella protruding from my glass. I can. know. I know <laughs> what you mean. And a straw. Yeah. Uh, do we need do we need a, like a slice of pineapple and a cherry sort of yeah, on the yeah. side as well? I wouldn't drink from the straw. It's just it's more of a prop. But yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't know whiskey could smell like this. Does this need to be served in like a daiquiri glass? Yeah, maybe. It's see, we've had this we've had this discussion over the years so many times. But this is one of the things I love about whiskey so much that three ingredients. Yeah, I know, right? And you can just get such. Different, incredible, weird, interesting flavours. Yep. All right. Shall we go for a little slurp? Let's do it. Again, light and bright on the palate. Yeah, a bit more of the classic toffee coming through, but mm. um, I still get melons. Oh, let loose, honey! It's so fruity. I'm not picking up much in the way of sherry. No. I'd say wine... Yes, yeah, but like if bourbon, I'm comparing yes. it to wine, like flavors, this is not like a an extra cask from Starwood. This is like a, a Pinot Gris that gets. Yeah, um, I was going to say it's a, it's a white. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely a white wine. Mm. It's got a bit of acid structure in yep. the um. Yeah, yeah. On the palate, That's it. bit of tang. But there's bit a yeah, there's a real sort of fruitiness at the end. Mm. It's like wait, uh, maybe maybe not Pinot, maybe a Chardonnay. Yeah, maybe maybe it's um an unoaked Chardonnay. Yeah, which is uh, ironic because you know <laughs> we're talking about an oaked product. <laughs> yeah, it's got uh, vanilla custard, mm-hmm. custard apple. Yeah, no, there's a lot of apple. There's definitely a lot of apple. Mm. And again, probably green apple. Like it's it's really really different. Yeah, no, it's so different. It's definitely not like anything Australian or Scottish or. Japanese or I mean even Indian yeah well, it's not like any other Indian whiskey I've had either mm. that's not a bad or a good thing one different. thing I really like about this is that it's got a lot of complexity to it it's not it's not just a one trick pony there's there's a lot of different things going on in there yeah yeah no you're right um I don't think it's obvious at first for me I, I have to go looking for them a little bit like maybe maybe this is it it has one trick that it does really well and a bunch of other like really sneaky tricks like you know mm. it can um it can jump through the flaming hoop which is the spectacular one but you know it also does some sneaky card tricks and mm. um you know um dressage it's interesting mm. it absolutely really I, I i do i do like it i think it needs a hot tropical day mm. to be drunk I'm actually interested to see, and I, this is probably sacrilege. This is a single malt whiskey, but um, could make a decent cocktail. Yeah, it 
you know, I, I wouldn't go to it every day. Certainly, yeah, I don't. It's not. It's not what I love in whiskey is in this particular flavor. I what I love is the fact it is different. I can I can see the cynical Scott being cynical, really being really cynical about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah probably. But I'm, for whiskey omnivores like us, yeah, this is it. India is such a such a wild west in terms of uh, whiskey making. There's a lot of terrible, terrible stuff being made over there. Mm. Um, but yet, molasses based. Yeah. As I said, not even, not even, yeah. not even a grain, and yet there's a lot of places cropping up that are going to be making some reasonable stuff, mm. and um, this is just the latest in there, and it's only really just come to Australia. That's why we're lucky enough to happen upon a bottle, and I'm really happy to spread the word about this one because it's fascinating. So, if you're looking to pick up a bottle of the injury, it's actually a very reasonable prospect. It's actually eighty bucks. Oh, really? That much? Well, that. Not much. Yeah. Mm. Um, looks like Paul's Liquor is about the only place at the moment seems to be in stock. The only other people that are going to get it are our Patreons. So, Patreons, I'm really curious to see what you guys think about this one, whether you love it, whether you hate it, whether you're just intrigued like we are. Um, leave us a comment on the episode post and tell us your thoughts on the injury. Yeah, no, def- definitely let us know. Um, so, Maru, when they contacted us... Um, they're really interested to know um, what our thought our thoughts were on it, but it'd be also interesting to provide some feedback from our patreons as well, and just uh, people who listen to the podcast. If you've had it too, if you've come across a bottle, um, let us know because we can uh, let them, yeah, Piccadilly know what we think of it and sort of, yeah, mm. three stars, Ted. Yeah, three stars, I think. Mm. I was, yeah, I wasn't sure going into it if it would have uh, reached that level, and. Um Certainly, certainly pleasantly surprised me. You know, it, I'd say it's almost almost a bit of a whiskey mm. contender. Yeah, it's it's not so much that it's light. It's got plenty of flavour, but it occupies those sort of um, finer, higher, higher notes mm. in terms of a tasting palate, like that sort of profile. There's none of that oily, heavy, dark, rich, dark fruits, stewed fruits. There's none of that. It's all this sort of yeah, vibrant pineapple. Yeah, it's, it's, it's it's like coconut. It's like melon. It's like an Indian procession, like in a couple of hundred years ago, and like there's elephants, there's dancing girls, there's people like in all sorts of interesting, colourful costumes, all lined up. There's there's uh, the nobility trooping through, and all their sort of their bright their bright sort of silks and. Um, Dripping with jewels and all this vibrant colours and everything—it's, yeah, it—it's it, a spectacle in a glass, mm. and you can't put it more plainly than that. We well, could, but you know, white whiskey waffle—that's not how we roll. Yeah, it's using a particular type of uh, barley, though I believe. Is it? Yes. Tell me more. You tell me more. It's on the—it's on the box there somewhere. Is I it? think. Yeah. <laughs> I've got an, uh, I've got a SSS for you, Ted. Triple S. Triple S. All of the S's. It's like the battle cry of a snake. The first S standing for smash, the second for session, and the third for saver. Oh, beautifully pronounced. Mm, I know. I tried to break it up so I wouldn't just uh, blur them all into one. So my smash session saver has a... Loosely connected theme. But here are your three whiskies. The Starwood Nova. 
mm-hmm. which we'll discuss what that is in a bit. The Korowa characters. Mm, and I the, think I see where this is going. And the Hellier's Road Pinot Noir finish. Mm. Like interesting, to, uh, in. interesting, interesting, interesting. Yeah, so what we've got is some whiskeys sort of from the lower sort of end of the... Uh, lower end price-wise from the Australian scene. They've also got a common thread in terms of wine casking. Indeed. <laughs> I don't know which way to go. You've, tri- you've tried each of them on multiple occasions too, which it makes it quite hard because you've got the familiarity. I... Think probably in terms of what I'm going to savor is the Starwood Nova. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think. I think it's probably a bit more of an elegant, complex one. But in saying that, the Pinot, the Hellier's Pinot, also has complexity mm. there too. Yeah, I think. I think probably out of the, all of them, the the characters is the least complex. Yeah, but also I think the most sessionable. Hmm. Yeah, I, I I wondered if you were going to go there. Yeah, I did. think I think yeah. it is. I think it is the most sessionable one. I think mm. the balance of flavors in there are like it doesn't sort of hit out in too much any direction. I think you could sort of go a few of those over the evening, which means that I'm. Well, it sounds like I'm I'm smashing the Hellier's yeah. Pinot, which to be. Fair, perhaps, like, it is on the lower end of the Hellier's stuff. And well, it is, is the original, so yeah, it's not it necessarily is, is it, the, it's, the, it's the, not, the older stuff. Yeah, it's not necessarily the most sort of complex, interesting, nice sort of Hellier's one. I think there's potentially better Hellier's ones out there, although out of, like, original versus Pinot, I do yeah. like the Pinot. See, I've got, I've got a... Older Pinot release, I think it is. Yeah, you got a fifteen, I think. Twelve or a fifteen, which is yeah, that's that's really good. Like yeah. that, that would flip things around considerably because it's the original release one. I think I'm gonna go the old smash on that one. Mm-hmm. Session the Corowa, and then savor the Starwood Nova. Yeah, took like we always put each other on the spot during these, and um, yeah, what would you do? Yeah, I know. Well. And I try not to think of it what I would do until he puts me back on the spot. But as he was talking, it became clear in my mind what I'm going to do. Because Ted's absolutely right with one of them. Mm, okay. The characters is a session whiskey. It's totally a session whiskey, right? You just drink some characters. You don't think too much about it. It's got enough fruit. It's got enough excitement there that you, you'd enjoy it. But, you know, if you want some real complexity, you go to the go to the Boss Verdi, go to the Mad Dog Morgan. But... I actually think that I am going to switch the other two, which, you know, really proves it's not like a first, second, third thing, mm-hmm. because the second or the middle one stays the same. But I'm going to savor the Hellers Road, because yes, it might be a little bit well, it's certainly probably on the cheaper and the price scale, but does have I actually think it? Hellers yeah, character. I think there's enough to explore there. Mm. Whereas. And I think I'm in the minority with this, but I actually prefer the the sherry matured Starwood over the the wine matured. Wine matured is really what Starwood is all about. And to be fair, the prices have risen a lot in recent times, and the Nova is still quite accessible, whereas the the sherry one, the Solera, has gone yeah. to stupid prices, which really annoys me. But like, I don't mind the Starwood wine cask or the Nova, but 
I think I'd I reverse them. I think I'd savor the Hellis Road and I'd just smash down the 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 Starwood. I can see where you're going and there, and you're tempting me to flip sides. Yeah. Oh, pick a day. It's, yeah, it's always pick different. A, pick a day. Yeah, but I'm glad that we've got a few different ones. But it, I think the obvious answer is here to session the Korowa. We yeah, both I think, I think that, that just it feels right. Mm, yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Whereas if you ask, yeah, about like a yeah one of Korowa's other releases, then yeah, it, well, yeah, it changes the everything but the, char- the characters is. That's what it's there for, is sessioning yep. whiskey. Yep, yep. Yeah, oh, well, there you go. We've we've done it, Ted. We've come up with different answers, and all of our listeners will come up with different ones again. Mm. Please let us know. Mm. Yeah, um, wine matured, not quite entry level. Well, I suppose some of them are entry level, but, you know, not the, the top level for that distillery. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Well, we shall see what people tell us. Yep. I'm just going to talk for a bit and see if the arm buzz just pops back in again. No. I am the fly. Bzzz. Waffle, waffle, waffling with. Welcome along, folks, to another episode of Waffling With. We are sitting here looking out across the beautiful ocean on the east coast of Tasmania at Warbs Harbour and sitting here with Rob Palmier, who is the head distiller and production manager out here. Is that a fair enough thing to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it. Excellent. Thank you so much for having us. Oh, no worries. Easy. Um, so this is a small-scale team that are running this operation, yourself and some family members. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Tim, my brother, um, Tim's wife, Beck, myself, and then we've got a... Uh, another guy, Tom, that started up with the team doing all our hospice so tours and uh, and tastings and such like that. So a small team in-house and it's good because we're, you know, uh, we're able to sort of like self-manage in that sort of way where it's a bit of a work-life balance but also mm-hmm. just sort of, uh, you know, enjoy what we do and I think that that sort of comes across in the in the product when you sort of work in the creativity side of things and, but um but having the freedom to create without without the pressure from outside, you know. So we kind of we kind of have the best of both worlds, like you're sort of saying out there, looking over the looking over the gulch at Bishno. It's, it's it's not a hard place to work. Absolutely. It's, it's yeah. So so um, describe to us what, where we are. Yeah. So on the east coast of Tasmania, um, this is a small sort of like fishing town in the old days, and it's sort of gone through a bunch of different stages of life. Um, you know early days was sort of like a, a f- um, free man's town for whalers and um, and sealers and such and had a coal industry and such so it's had a long history it, it up until uh, about say the early 90s it was more like a Tasmanian shack goers place so Tasmanians have a bunch of shacks that's what we used to grow up with somehow we managed to afford a shack it's pretty <laughs> pretty it's, it's kind of almost like a strange thing but these this is like a holiday town for families and so you know like a lot of tasmanians have fond memories up the east coast sort of it's a different sort of vibe to down south there's a lot of people that run on bishano time so shops don't open that early and yeah. if, if the sun's good or the surf's good no one goes to yeah. work and but no we're we're sort of amongst it just um just sort of uh, living breathing it and uh, making whiskey in a great place now you mentioned that um one of the aims for creating Warps Harbour was really to try and create the whiskey that you would like to drink, the one that you want to make. Why did you end up coming here to the coast to make that product? Yeah, so there's a couple of parts to that, really. So the first part would be that, like, um, you know, we, we've, we were sort of talking about this a little earlier where we were talking about how we came up 
with sort of we had a bunch of different ideas on what, how we'd like to make whiskey how we would like it to be um, and where we'd like to make it and we definitely wanted to be in Tassie we knew that we, we didn't want to go to necessarily the mainland but we wanted to be a Tasmanian product in a Tasmanian place and we looked at some places down south and we had sort of like the the, the sort of opportunity to buy a deer farm and a, and a trout farm and it was literally like deer prancing down the bottom paddocks we could imagine like building a distillery up top we could it was uh, like see, that's that's dangerous though yeah no. this, the scotch malt whiskey society will come <laughs> yeah, and break yeah. your legs yeah yeah but that was the problem and that's why we were like that's we were like this is too it wasn't us for a start it was too sandstone sort of like classic tasmanian but it wasn't really how tim and i grew up and we're a bit more coastal folk i suppose and a lot of tasmanian people are and mm. when we came and saw this place i mean we've been visiting this area like i said for, for a long time and um you know we found the location um we sort of talked to the owners at the time and it all just sort of kept falling in alignment so like the in terms of production space in terms of like how, how we could use the ex- existing infrastructure and and just and just sort of morph it into what we needed to. So like when we looked at this site, we just loved the representation of us as Taz, like growing up in Tassie, but also that maritime whiskey that we weren't we couldn't see being made in Tassie. So we're sort of trying to create that goal. Yeah. So tell us about the um, buildings that actually make up the site. So it's a maritime whiskey. What's here? When we started, we bought a production facility which was actually uh, shellfish culture. So they used to grow um, oyster spat and distribute them around Tasmania, I think to South Australia as well at that time. They, the guys outgrew this site and started up a place in Cremorne. Um, but they, but basically, like it just happened to fall in alignment for us that we managed to grab the site. Next door, we also managed to get a hold of those, um, those buildings over time as well. They were an old ab farm. Um, and just around here, it's like, yeah, it's the, the, the other shop next door is live fish export and the other way is um, like a commercial cray cooker. Like it was a fishing town. Mm. Um, and as the things changed, it's sort of, it's all sort of out, been outgrown, I suppose, but the buildings are still here. So we may, managed to convert like these salt laden, awesome brick buildings. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's such a, it's a dream almost from a production sp- um, perspective yeah. to be able to make a whiskey in a spot like this. How do you think the location affects the whiskey that you make? Yeah, I think that um, there's a, the most obvious one I think is in barrel maturation and the climate here. It's like a little micro climate on the east coast of Tassie, different to Tass- uh, the rest of Tassie as well, like not just Australia, but the way in which that the highs sort of whip around down the state, they sort of, it's sort of, everything sort of changes here. You get these um, easterly rains that just persist for days it's, and you can see the offshore storms. Um, you, you know, the, the way in which the barrel interacts with that, it's not just temperature, there's the atmospheric pressure as well. Like and the barrels weep and it smells amazing in the bond store. And then you've got like the, um, the temperature of the ocean that's a consistent buffer for those barrels as well. So we're not too hot, we're not too cold, we're just, uh, in the Goldilocks zone, in that mm. in that regard, um, and there's you know the barrel being a living, breathing organism that has an effect, definitely. Yeah. So, what's your own background in whiskey making? Yeah. So I started off at um, Overeem back when Overeem was owned by Lark, and I worked under Casey in his house, basically, <laughs> Casey Overeem, 
and that was pretty good days, you know, down in Blackman's Bay looking over. That was a, they had a spot um, looking over the water, and you'd be there distilling. Just it was pretty nice. Pretty mm. you could you couldn't get much better in those days either. And like you know, learning the trade from one of the founders of the industry, really cool stuff. Yeah. Um, and you can't get better than that. We we um, had the um, family connection through school and such as well. Like Casey used to be believe it or not like my old scout leader and stuff so like we got on pretty well and so tasmania. yeah yeah yep. tasmania and so we we sort of um you know really invigorated one another's passions almost into whiskey you know he when he'd get keen on something in the bond story he'd show me and i'd be constantly doing research and telling him what i thought and he'd be you know ch- checking in all the time with that sort of stuff because you've um, got a science background as well yeah 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 so um I did a master's in, in Antarctic marine science before I got into whiskey. I was sort of looking down the microscope and writing papers and doing all that sort of computer stuff. And it was great. I love, I love science. I love, um, you know, knowledge and knowing how things work. And, but it was more the applied sciences that I felt like myself drawn to. I remember at the time I'd be doing things like I'd make cheese, I'd keep bees, I'd um, I do all the home brewing, like all the, all the like sauerkraut, like all the all the things that contain some form of microbiology ferment. Like I was into because that's what I was doing at uni as well. Um, and then when I I got a job um, with Lark or Overeem at that time, I was just like on day one. I remember just like having a, I was out at Lark and um, I was. Um, you know stirring a ferment and i was just like i can't believe i'm getting paid for this like i was just like entering into the industry going this is sick yeah so it was yeah it, it was it was a good transition to um a, a passion area and then and then and i've just basically been following my feet and it's been working out really well yeah so being here today i get the impression where we're right here at the beginning of warbs harbor i mean you've been distilling for a little while though how many yeah. how many years when so we've been distilling here uh in since uh late part of 2019 so i'd say what's what is it now it's like three and a bit years three and a bit years yeah so um it took us a year just to get the site up and running yeah um building and converting and then yeah distilling for those three years so we've been laying it down slow and a bit underground um but um, we're, we're sort of starting to emerge ahead next yeah. year properly. Yeah, that's exciting. What does that involve? What's coming out? Um, so we've got a, a three core lines coming out next year um, and I think some limited releases depending on if they're ready, probably in the later part. And, um, and so that's looking more like... Um, at the moment, it's we're working on that because of the way in which we've got to wait for the barrels to sort of tell us what to do. But at the same time, I've got a, a, an aim there of making like a, a lighter bourbon style or bourbon based whiskey, followed like at a low strength, followed by like a, a port driven uh, mid range strength whiskey, and then a more of a purist port, like a single cask high strength whiskey. Mm. Just to wrap up, for those people that are interested in Warbs Harbour, are they able to come and visit, and where can they buy the product? Yeah, sure. You can um, you can come and visit at Bichonot, um down at the, um, at the actual production site. We're starting up in um, in about a month's time. Things will be properly open. At the moment, it's all by appointment, um, but it's easy just to email in. Just look at the website. Um, so we're here can, in October now, so yeah, by November, no, by November 22. Yep. yep, and um, we will. You know, you can. There's there's things to buy at the site, but mostly everything's released on the website and often, yeah, sold out. So it's always, it's, you've got to be quick there, but we always have a Sumplink 
available here. Yeah. So it's worth the trip. At Absolutely. least at least tasting stock as a minimum. Yeah. Oh, just to see the site. Oh, oh just to check out the buildings, yep. to see the proximity of the water. Yep. It's um yeah, highly, highly recommended. And one of the things that you said when it first came in, it's not exactly um on the beaten track, it's not on the side of the highway. People have to come looking for it, but um, I think you're definitely going to attract the, the people that are interested. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, not 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 right on the side of the highway. It's definitely not that um, big commercial operation. We're trying to trying to keep a, an element of craft in the whiskey um, and really targeting the people that appreciate whiskey like us. Yeah. Yeah. Nice one. Well, thanks so much for your time today. No You've been very generous with that, and no um, yeah, I'm really excited for the future. Nicholas. So, uh, oh, hang on. You got something, something nice and dirty to say, I assume. Oh, oh. Don't, don't, don't whip it out yet, Ted. Yeah. So Ted and I had an interesting conversation the other day um, about bottle purchases because one of the, the things that we like to do is our penis comparing competitions. Yeah. Um, and after we finish that, <laughs> then we um, bring out the bottles that we purchased. <laughs> no. No, I'm using it as a metaphor because we do um we do like to show off the bottles we've purchased online mm. and uh, share them um and and you know say look at this one I bought it's almost more exciting than actually drinking it but uh, yeah not almost not quite but it is an exciting event. The other day though we had a we had a sort of a semi cryptic discussion. Nick sort of well I I actually said to Nick I bought a bottle and then I mentioned a couple of sort of very vague stats about it not even stats no, it just even stats it was just more about a vibe you don't, yeah a vibe a vibe about it and you something... narrowed you narrowed your eyes and like yeah. I wonder if we've bought the same thing because um, I was going to say some similar things you said it was something you saw and you just had to get and it wasn't as easy to find or as obvious as you thought it might have been and that's yeah. literally all you told me and I was like hmm <laughs> I had a similar experience recently um, those sort of uh, things do relate and uh, we've both brought the bottle that we think... Oh, we've both brought the bottle that we're talking about here that we think might be the exact same one. Mm. Um, and we're going to reveal it simultaneously. <laughs> and I really wish this was our video yeah. podcast, but right. it is not. So so are you ready to unzip? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. This is where it begins. So we're going to go three, two, one, reveal. Yep. Yep. Um, and then I guess your our reaction will tell you if it's the same thing or not because this is going to be really interesting if it's completely different than yeah. like anyway even more um, interesting if it's actually the exact same thing and we well, had the same thought I know okay I know if we're really that in tune are you ready three, three two, two one, one reveal, reveal. yes, yes! <laughs> it, is. it is we've done it <laughs> <laughs> we've bought the same bottle ah oh, yes <laughs> Uh, so you like to put our listeners out of their misery. Right. Well, I'm going to say the first word. You can say the second word. <laughs> so my first word is country. The second word is coast. <laughs> yes. Um, it is collaboration. Well, it might not be the same one, but I'm assuming yours has a number three on it. Mine has a number three on it. Yeah. So country to coast. Tell me a bit about that, Ted. So country equals Blackgate Distillery. New South mm. Wales. Um, rural New South Wales. Rural Inland. New South Wales. Very, very hot uh, aging conditions. Make some bloody good whiskey, particularly peated whiskey. They make some great That is pe- some great peters. And some of that has gone into this. Mm. Coast equals Flurio Distillery. We've mm. been there. We South Australia. Um, Goolwa, just Goolwa. on the uh, coast there. Yep. Flurio Peninsula. From country to coast. 
collaboration. Um, this is the third one. It's It's been a collaboration between those two distilleries for uh, probably about three years now, I think. They, Basically, yeah, they'll blend a bunch of Peter whiskey. Yeah, it is. It each. is a true blend. It's it's only two to um. It's a it's a vatted malt. They're both va- single va- malt vatted whiskey. malt. That's the one. And they are using Scottish heavily peated barley. Yep, with a vatting of second fill apera casks. Mm. Yeah, so the casks might change. I'll have to whip the other ones out um, because Ted um, owns numbers one and two. I do. I also know one and two, but I've not opened either of them because I've yeah. just been drinking my, your Mine stuff. are open. So yeah, yeah. I added this one up with them. I, I, um, Lord Walden will be interested to know that I reorganized my uh, whiskey shelves. That I, I had to... I had to it just shift. sounds like my dream afternoon. <laughs> yeah. I had to shift things around a bit um, because essentially I've got too much whiskey. <laughs> just running out of space. Yeah. It's sort of come down to a bit of a, a balancing act between whiskey and comics, um, and I had to fit some both in. Anyway, I, I'm so impressed that it was like just just a very like casual comment, like not much information was yeah. really revealed. It was quite a generic sort of comment, just about um yeah you saw it and you had to get it, and it was a little bit harder to access. So where did you get yours from? Um, I got mine from a, a company that I'd never heard of before. So had I. But I wonder is, if it's the same one. <laughs> yeah, is is called Australian Whiskey Fans. Oh, Australian Whiskey Fans. Yeah. There you go. I bought mine from a company called Spirit of the Maker, which I realised this one got posted to me all the way from Latrobe. Really? Yeah. Uh, mine was New South Wales, I think. Yeah, no, this is, this is literally the other side of Devonport, so... So that's my new whiskeys for the day. Oh, dude, just just absolute total high five mm, on yep. this one. Yeah, well, we, um, we we do we do think alike sometimes. I know. If you want any more proof, there is it. Nice one. Oh well, it's been a good evening. It has. Um, we have promised a few exciting things for our Patreons throughout the night. So if you want to become one of those guys, jump onto Patreon.com/slash/WhiskeyWaffle, and um, yeah, no, join up. We've got a wonderful little team of people that we shoot out a few sample whiskies, whatever we're reviewing that month. They get a little 30 mil dram of that. Although, if you then step it up a level, so our drinking buddies get just the... Uh, the review whiskey, whiskey so the they'll be getting some injury this month. But if you are a tasting panellist, you will also get something interesting from our personal shelf. Mm. Um, I think I might send out some Warbs Harbour this month. Yeah, I think that's not a bad idea. Mm. Yeah, so please uh, check out a Patreon, e- even if you're a, a lower level. Um, so if you're an official waffler, you get access to our feints, which is our sort of bonus material uh, section. Yeah, I've got podcast. an exciting feints coming up from Bottle Kill Bonanza Day. Mm. Can't wait to edit that one. That was a big day. Yeah. Just just to, just to put some some stats around that day, we killed 17 whiskies. Mm. And we did a little mini recording after finishing each one, a um, bit of a eulogy. Um, so, you know, the first few were very sensible. And then I don't know what happened later because I don't remember recording the last few. <laughs> yeah, it was a little hazy at the end. Mm. Um, so I'm yet to listen back to that. So I'm, I'm kind of excited and nervous, but mainly excited. Yeah. So, yeah, Patreons will get access to that in the next few months. Anyway... If you want to uh, send us a comment, uh, check us out on Facebook or Instagram or um, send us a carrier pigeon with a note. We always enjoy receiving those. They're very mm. tasty. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> the notes, not the carrier pigeons. <laughs> Both. Nice one. Anyway, Ted, it's been an honour. It has. It's been fun. As always. Yep. Cool. And uh, to you folk at home, keep on waffling. And good night. Good night. Whiskey Waffle recommends you drink whiskey responsibly and only if you're above the legal drinking age in your country. Our lawyers made us say that. Or at least, they would have if we actually had lawyers. And you can't put it more plainly than that. Well, you could, but, you know, whiskey waffle, that's not how we roll.